Hey everybody and welcome to this week's podcast. Uh, this week, Alex and I talk about the uh, special bond and relationship that's developed between student and teachers. Um, we talk about a little bit about the factions that have popped up in the martial arts and Wing Chun and Jeet Kune Do. And Alex gives his opinion on um, internal Wing Chun and uh, its popularity right now within the Wing Chun community. We have a lot of fun with this episode, and we hope you enjoy it, too. So sit back and uh, enjoy, guys. Bye. Dudes of Kung Fu. Please welcome your hosts, Alex Richter and Big Sean Madigan. Episode four, season four. Four in a row, Alex. Well, it's not really four in a row. It's actually three in a row because the first one wasn't doesn't count as being in a row because we waited five weeks before the second one. So it's it's really three in a row, actually, if we, we want to be fair here. Debbie Downer, dude. It's like, <laughs> here I am. I'm all excited. Four in a row, I'm thinking. And you're right. You're right. Just yeah. throw cold water on me. <laughs> so you, so if you, you, you're, the, you're the guy. You see two dogs humping. You'd squirt them with a hose. Just to ruin that poor bastard's fun, you know? It's amazing. Wow, that's really what you think of me, right? Yeah. <laughs> I'd probably, I'd probably, actually, to be fair, I would probably just take a video of it and send it to you. <laughs> I'm not going to tell you what I'm going to do when I watch it. So how you been, man? How was your week? You know what? Pretty good. I'm, I'm pretty good in that I'm glad it's over. But, uh, you know, it's a, it, I, you know I, I don't live the... Uh, I don't live the life of martial arts that you live, and I, I wish I did, but um, I have a regular job, and um, it's some, some weeks are tougher than others, but uh, so I'm, sure, glad, I'm sure. glad it's Friday. Well, I can sympathize a little bit this week. Uh, you, you know, it's funny. Normally, I, I teach uh, a number of students every day. Maybe I have a group class or something, so I have a fair amount of uh, activity in my day, and, and some days it's really packed. I have lots of students. I teach private lessons from morning to night, and I have no problem with that. But this week, I had to do a bunch of, I guess for lack of a better term, paperwork. Ew. And so, yeah. So uh, I had to I had to write stuff, curriculum, program, company policy stuff. So just catching up on a lot of things and, and also like uh, stuff that I, I like to write curriculum and classes and because it's very creative. But I had to spend an average of about two hours behind a computer every day this week. And my God, that wreck, the si- sitting for that amount of time, it's like I can be rolling around and even practicing jujitsu or Wing Chun or hitting a heavy bag or whatever, but make me sit for two hours in front of a desk and I feel wrecked, man. Holy crap. Well, I have that, a newfound that, respect for people who do that for eight hours a day. I mean, that's my I life. salute I'm, them, man. <laughs> I'm at my desk at 7 a.m. every morning. And uh, I don't get out of it to between four and five o'clock at night. So, wow, that's brutal, man. Oh, it sucks, dude. But you know, listen, it is what it is, and it pays the bills. And I got, you know, pays my mortgage and it buys me guitars. Yeah, well, don't let people know that actually you're paying your bills from all the incredible revenue you're earning from the Dudes of Kung Fu podcast. You don't want to let people know that yet because you don't want to talk about finances openly. But at some point, I think people are going to know about it, especially when the Forbes list comes out for the top 10 podcasts out there. And and then everyone's going to see what's been going on the whole time. Oh, I can't <laughs> wait to say, hey, Joe Rogan, suck it, bitch. Win them all. <laughs> As he kicks my ass. <laughs> Yeah, man. So uh, we got a great response to the last uh, podcast where I talked Absolutely. about uh, Hong Kong. I had a lot of messages. Uh, even some non-Wing Chun people uh, told me that, you know, based on listening to that podcast, they decided they're going to make their next trip uh, be a Hong Kong trip. And obviously a lot of Wing Chun people uh, were very excited about that as well. And uh, like I mentioned, and and I don't mean this is not like a point of of bragging or showing off, but I, I literally could go on and on about Hong Kong. And, and there was so much that I didn't talk about on that episode because there is so much to do over there, but I just wanted people to kind of have a, I guess a starter uh, pack for lack of a better term in terms of where to go and what to do in Hong Kong. Um, and I also want people to know that I did that with 
absolutely zero preparation. We kind of decided that was going to be the topic right before the episode went on. So all those places and, and where to go and all that was off the top of my head. If I had five minutes to just look at my notes, I could have done even more. But like there was just running off of what's kind of sitting up here. So uh, I hope that you found that uh, helpful. And like I said, I, I will write a blog about it so people can um, read about it. And, and maybe when I go to Hong Kong, I'll even do a video blog with all the places to go and things to do. And, that would be really interesting. I'd be interested in seeing that. Well, I'd be interested in you coming along with me and helping That's me gonna film happen, that. Actually, That's yes. going to happen. So I discussed this with Sean. I don't know if you mind me telling people, I but uh, I, 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 okay. So I've decided that, you know, uh, for Sean to come to Hong Kong, you know, he, he has some reservations about traveling, right? So I just said, hey, all right, if you do whatever you need to do to feel comfortable traveling to Hong Kong Lose and weight. <laughs> lose weight, all right? <laughs> so that you feel comfortable getting on that plane for 15 hours and flying to Hong Kong. If you lose the weight you need to lose, I will pay for your trip to Hong Kong. So I've said it here openly. It's a thing. Now I've made an open declaration. Everyone knows it, so I'll and stick by them, it. Tell them the one stipulation I put on it. Uh, the one stipulation you put on I actually don't remember. what I would have to go back and look at my text messages. What would you say? We're not sharing a bed. Oh, we're not sharing it. <laughs> Damn it. This was all just a very slow ploy oh, to know. get us to share a bed. <laughs> this, is the, this is the slow con. I know you. You think about well, it. Well, well, just so you have an idea, apartments and like hotels and stuff like that, generally the rooms are a lot smaller. I don't actually stay in hotels anymore in Hong Kong. I haven't stayed in a hotel in my last few trips. And that's not because my I stay with my wife's family. Actually, uh, it's an open secret. I actually never stay with my wife when I go to Hong Kong. And the reason is this, uh, when we go to Hong Kong together, she stays with her family, which they live way in the North in the new territories. So uh, it's not really convenient to stay with them because it's kind of far away. Mm -hmm. And she wants to see her family and have the kids visit the family and stuff like that. And I basically want to do Kung Fu shit. So right, right, um, right. I usually end up staying like right in the heart of Kowloon or maybe on the Hong Kong Island side. And she's up there with her family for two weeks. I'm downtown doing what she says is, you know, staying in my Kung Fu world and doing my Kung Fu thing. And then at, and then kind of on the last day, we reconvene and fly back. So um, I what I actually found out, and this is maybe an additional tip for those of you who are traveling to Hong Kong, um, hotels you can find in all price ranges in Hong Kong, but they have Airbnb in Hong Kong now. And Airbnb in Hong Kong kicks ass. So you can get like an apartment in the middle of any section of Hong Kong you want to stay in. And you basically live like a local and it's generally um, well below what you would pay for a hotel. So like when I went with my student Antonio last time, we got a, we, we, we had our own apartment, like a two bedroom apartment. He had one room, I had the other room and it was amazing. And it, a lot more comfortable in my opinion than staying at a hotel. Uh, sure. And so, um, so anyway, for those of you who are traveling to Hong Kong, don't mess with a hotel as much as the hotel and tourism industry does not want me to tell you that. Go to Airbnb and you can find a great apartment uh, that you can stay at for the duration of your time there. Or stay in different apartments. Stay in an apartment on the Kowloon side for a few days then go over to the Hong Kong Island side and get the full experience. So um, anyway, so so if we go to Hong Kong or when we go to Hong Kong, Sean, uh, we'll stay at a nice Airbnb. You'll have Airbnb. You'll have your own room. And, uh, and you don't need to worry about sharing a uh, bed with me. I'm a terrible snorer and a blanket hog anyway, so I've been told. So. I have cold feet. So, <laughs> so anyway, yeah. So we thanks, everybody, some, uh, for that. I'm, I'm de that's definitely happening. I, okay. I, I've made that decision. This is definitely happening. I'm going to. I'm definitely going to hunt. I, I, I want this to happen. You got to so. do it. You got to do it. Yeah. Yep, yep, yep. So uh, wanted well, to discuss a couple things tonight. Uh, yeah, did you have, have some savers? Yeah, we have yeah. Uh, some MMA news. We want to just jump from about that. Connor apparently has a new fight. Uh, what is that? The, um, the, the the third fight in the trilogy against the... Um... Oh, come on. You mean against Nate Diaz? Yeah, it's Nate Diaz, the third fight. Well... I have to call you on that, sir. That is what our dearly beloved president-in-chief would call fake news. Oh, really? Yeah, Coach Kavanaugh uh, from SBG sure. uh, and Connor's coach uh, said on Twitter today, he said, no, 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 that's not true. And it's not been finalized. It's not been – so that that's just been a rumor that, that I think – 
you know, the problem is, and, and, you know, this is a legit fake news problem, is someone creates a meme that looks like an official UFC thing, right, puts right, it out right. there, and then it gets shared by a bunch of people without even looking at it, and then suddenly it's a rumor. So, um, But according to Coach Kavanaugh, and also Matt Thornton retweeted it, because I, I follow Matt Thornton on uh, Twitter, and, uh, you know, I retweet him, and, you know, I like his. It probably annoys him because I know how much he hates Kung Fu guys. He probably says, ah, who? Sometimes I, I, I look at the, his tweets, and I'm, like, the only guy who liked it. And I, I know just from what I've heard about him, what I know about him, it must annoy the piss out of him that some Kung Fu guy, like, likes his tweets, thinking that, you know, I'm some kind of silk pajama-wearing kind of dude who believes in uh, chi balls or something like that, you know? Matt Thornton, you know, <laughs> Matt Thornton's a fucking awesome guy. He's got very, 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 very little respect for Wing Chun. Sure. But he's an awesome fucking guy. And um, if you ever have the opportunity to hang with Matt Thornton, if anybody listening to this podcast ever has the opportunity to hang with Matt Thornton, do it. Because that dude is real. He is such a real dude. He's down to earth. He's just so cool. He's a, He doesn't put on airs. He's not a... You know, you don't hear him talking about other people it's just like he's just a real fucking dude that's about training mm-hmm. and he's like when he he came to my house a couple times and uh like one of my favorite stories about matt thornton is one day he comes here with a bunch of guys and my wife's making a big dinner for everybody and we're all hanging out we're going down to the basement everybody's rolling around where's matt where's matt Come upstairs. Matt's upstairs in my kid's bedroom playing like Sega Genesis with my son, <laughs> which was the coolest fucking thing in the world. So we ended up breaking it out here in the living room, and we're trying, we're trying to beat each other like you know Mike Tyson's punch out and shit. That's, and really, that's funny. He's just a, just a regular dude, man. He's such a cool guy, and he's that's so awesome. fucking skilled. Yeah. Well, I hope maybe when my BJJ skills are not completely laughable, then, and it's worth it for me to to learn from him. I'll definitely go and uh, uh, see if you know if, if he's where is he? Is he in Oregon or California? Or where is he? He's in, he's in Oregon, Oregon, but he travels all over. I mean, he yeah. travels all over, and he does seminars here in, in New York and mm-hmm. and a lot in Boston. Mm-hmm. And um, but like even like you say, like oh, wait till my skill levels. He's such a, my my Brazilian Jiu Jitsu skills fucking blow right, and. Back then, like I was, I was a wrestler and I had no jits at all. And mm-hmm. the first time he came here to train, he, 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 I had hosted him to do a seminar, and we did a private me, me, Matt, and um, and, and one of those guys, uh, Luis Gonzalez, from Florida. And uh, at the time, he was a Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu brown belt. He's a black belt now. Mm-hmm. We were down in my basement, and we were just working on um, just, I think trying to escape from the back, like you know, someone has a rear naked show of Mataleo from the ground, you know, ways of getting out of it. And yeah. man, you know, there's no way I was ever getting out, right? I mean, you know, they had a Jiu-Jitsu brown belt working on my back. You never get out, but he teaches you a progression and they really just, they just apply just enough pressure that you have to fight it and get a little bit better and get it a little bit better and uh-huh. get it a little bit better. And then like, you know, like, and, and, where one like the one point like that he guess he gave me just you know a right amount of resistance but not too much that I was able to effectively use what he taught me. Uh-huh. I like you saw these genuine smiles on the face like they actually gave a shit and it was like one of the first like moves I quote unquote learned uh-huh. and, and it was a very basic beginner thing and it, it stayed with me to now. Like I could probably well I'm not in the shape I'm in now but I still know it. Like it's one of my favorite procedures to moves. Because it, it just, it was like the first thing I worked that ever really worked. But I remember like after like working with Lewis, working with Lewis, working with Lewis, while Matt coached me through it, I kind of half jokingly said to Matt, I went over, I slapped his hand and like, all right, Matt, I want to tap out to you now. <laughs> you know, because I would, the, to say I want to roll with you would have been fucking moronic, right? right so right. I was just like, all right, Matt, I want to tap out to you now. And the, the beauty of it was, Matt and I rolled for, I'm going to say five or six minutes. Mm-hmm. And please, anybody listening, realize at any point over that five or six minutes, Matt could have tapped me out. But he kept the resistance at like just the level that I needed it to be at mm-hmm. for me to progress. You know, yeah. And because he, he was able to put his ego aside for 
however long the, the quote-unquote role went for, that he was able, like I was able to escape out of some things mm-hmm. and like work towards getting him in some things. And, and he just has an egoless way of teaching. Right. And then it wasn't until I said, okay, Matt, tap me out, that I was fucking like, within a couple of seconds, I'm kind of... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think that's also uh, why when you have like a high-level black belt or, I mean, well, and not all black belts in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu are that way either, where they focus on, on teaching in, in, in a very smart and progressive way. But in my experience, because I've always gone to like elite-level Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu guys when I happen to be in a town where there are some... And I train with them, and it's, it's such a different experience because they a, a really good Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu black belt, like a really good Sifu in Wing Chun or any martial art, they, they, they know how to kind of toe that line between giving you enough resistance where you right. feel like you're you, – you still have to put something behind it to get something done, but you still feel like you're progressing and you're able to incorporate that which you learn. And, and they don't just go straight and shut you down and, and make you feel like you can't do anything. Right, but at the exactly. same time, so it, it's a skill that uh, the better instructors and coaches, I think, uh, regardless of art, um, have. Uh, and, and I think that that is definitely something that needs to be discussed more in martial arts like Wing Chun, where often the archetype is the Sifu just kind of smacks the student around and shows them how much better he is or she is and doesn't give them a chance to do anything. That's not really a template that's going to make people progress and get better. Right. So, you know, um, I think that, that that's really great and, and should be integrated more uh, in all the different martial arts. Yeah. You know, from personal experience, just as a uh, compare and contrast, what's the expression? Compare and contrast. Yes. I did two two real stories for me, real quick. I remember training Brazilian Jiu Jitsu with, with Matt Thornton, and him setting this path to success, this grooving of this idea of just enough resistance, and could give me some success in in the role but I still had to work hard to get everything I got. Right. You know, and I was able still to, to earn it. I was able to attack him with anything I wanted to attack him. And me being a uh, quote unquote, uh, at the time, John Fon guy, uh-huh. you know, um, he would jokingly said to me, Oh, you can use those finger strikes if you want. You know, he was like, <laughs> you know, he was having fun with me with that. And, um, like there was no ego cause he gave up, he gave up position for me to, to gain some sort of success to show that if I do it right, this is what could happen kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Now, compare that to one of my early um, Wing Chun lessons in a uh, school that I've never spoken about here. <laughs> um, I was there for a little while, and um, the first time I was ever introduced to Chi uh, Sao, I was told I wasn't allowed to strike. Mm-hmm. Because, and I, listen, you know, I'm not, I can't, I'm not going to say every Wing Chun school, I'm not, I'm not even saying this is wrong for Wing Chun. I'm just saying, for me, I just found it odd because I was doing Chi Sao with a Sihin, mm-hmm. I was, I, I had to work 100% defense uh-huh. in, in Chi Sao. Uh-huh. And that you could only strike, you can only work offensive techniques with juniors. Uh-huh. And defensive techniques with seniors. Uh-huh. So shit always rolls downhill, basically. Exactly. You know, I was just like, <laughs> wow, this is fucked up. Like, you know? <laughs> right, 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 right. Yeah, well, I mean, yeah, di- different, you know, part of the problem with Wing Chun, I suppose, is that the art itself is relatively progressive for a Chinese martial art and mm-hmm. that it, it, it has a flexible concept, but it's also kind of locked in the cage of, uh, still being a classical Chinese martial art and having the trappings of the Chinese culture that's attached to it. So it's like, yeah, it may be progressive and forward thinking compared to some other traditional martial arts, but at the same time, you still have this like baggage to a certain degree about like, oh, you can't strike your seniors. I think I mentioned the podcast on the podcast before that I, did I ever tell you about that? Uh, I had a very weird experience in Hong Kong with uh, one of Grandmaster Long Tang's students. Um, uh, I never told this story before, but uh, as as most people of, of the podcast know, I'm a I'm a grand student of Leung Teng, so he's my Si Gong. But uh, for about nine years, he was my primary instructor, so I was kind of raised by my Kung Fu grandpap, so to speak, right? 
Um, and I was in Hong Kong. Let me see. This was 2013. It was a uh, March of 2013, and I I went to see my Sibak, my Kung Fu uncle, um, who also left Lerngting many years ago, and he was doing the examination for my my fifth level, which in the Wing Chun Association is a equivalent. It's it's the it's a master grade. It's like fifth level is when you become a master, so to speak, right? So uh, I went there. I did my test privately, and then they were they were uh, a couple of uh, my Seabox students were doing chi sao together, and there was one guy there who was a old student of Sifu Lang Teng. Now, what I mean, old student, like he was in the, you know, the big book Leung Ting wrote in the 70s, sure. Wing Chun Kun, the big thick one. Like he was one of the demonstrators in that book, right? Book, so like, like an OG, right? And, and But the thing is, he hasn't trained Wing Chun for a long time. So he's a, um, so this particular guy, he was a kind of a high ranking student of Leung Ting in the 70s. But then he moved to, of all places, Long Island. <laughs> and then he just. He, I don't think he did any Wing Chun when he was in Long Island. He just, you know, ran his business and raised his family. And now he's basically retired and he's moved back to Hong Kong. And he's, you know, out of shape, which is okay because he hasn't been training. But he's also like, uh, he's also rusty because it's not just that he's physically out of shape. He also hasn't done Wing Chun for nearly 30 years. And his timing's off. His timing's off. He's awkward. He has uh, no control. But... He can't let go of that guy that he was in the 70s. Like mm -hmm. in his mind, he's still that guy. Sure. And and so I will be doing a private lesson with my Seabach and he'll be sitting there like commentating on my private <laughs> lesson, right? And because he lived in the States, he speaks English and my Seabach doesn't speak any English at all. So when I speak to my Seabach, I use like some very simple Cantonese and this other guy is there in the corner like – like doing the Mystery Science Theater 2000 commentary on my private lesson, you know what I mean? <laughs> and so he kind of annoys me, and I kind of, I kind of told my Seabach that I didn't really want him around because I didn't think he was very respectful, even though he's one generation higher than me, but he's kind of an asshole. And I'm not the kind of, I don't suffer fools easily. I don't care who somebody is. I was straight up to my Seabach. I was like, look, Seabach, he's, because he would say shit to me in English because he knew that my Seabach didn't understand it. Mm -hmm. And one time he said something that pissed me off beyond words, all right? And this is what he said, all right? <laughs> so I was, I was having a tea time chat with my Seabach in Hong Kong. And I'm, and I'm talking to my Seabach about, like, the school and inviting him to a seminar. This was a few years back. And this guy, his name is Norman. He, um... He was there, and then he says, uh, oh, Sivo Alex, uh, I went to your school last summer. And then I was like, really? I don't remember you coming to my school. He says, no, no, no. I didn't go inside. I just stay outside and look at the window. And then I'm like, oh, why didn't you come inside? Well, I, I didn't ask your Seabach permission to visit your school. And then, which I thought was kind of odd because he's very senior. Why does he need my Seabox permission to come and visit, right? Um, especially because I'm junior than him. It's not like he's coming to me to learn for, or something, right? And then he says, I look in your window. I see one of your students is leaning against the window. Look like your student, all very lazy. And then I was like... Oh, my God. And I was like, you know, it was that moment where I was like... I was like, wait, wait, wait. Like, you can talk all sorts of shit about me. Right. But when you start saying stuff about my students, and the thing is, I know exactly what he saw because I I had at that time an employee, a Chinese student, who um, when he would do um, the retention phone calls, he would go to the window to make them because it's a quieter part of my school if there were other students there. So he would go, like, next to the window and talk on the phone to, like, call old students to see how they've been and stuff, right? And then he's like... But based on this, and he wasn't, that wasn't a real observation. He was just trying to be a dick, right? Right, exactly. And then I, I and he says it in front of my Seabog, and I just go, oh, well, if you think my students are lazy, you should come in and watch. <laughs> and then, um, and then, so this is just one of the many things he said. So anyway, like that night, I had to do cheese out with this guy, right? And again, like I said, he's 30 years out of practice. He's out of shape. He's awkward. He's a know-it-all. He's just, he's the guy that you wouldn't pick as a training partner for many reasons, right? right? 
think Punso and and I mean I do Wing Chun on an average of two to four hours a day average and usually more than that but about two to four hours a day I do Wing Chun so I start doing Punso with him and he's like rotten stiff like 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 he can mm-hmm. barely move and he's like re- trying he's got that old man strength where he's not using any skill he's just really trying to like bulldoze and use power and it's like first of all he's a senior and of course all the other chinese people there are watching because i'm the westerner and they have to stop nobody practices they want to watch me and see what the guaylo is going to do right 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 and he starts kind of like, you know, the Frankenstein arm style of Chi Sao with like the stiff arm kind of just walking forward. No footwork, no skill, no nothing. Oh, just yeah. brute arm old man strength, right? And then so I just turned, I, I shifted and I put my palm on his face, right? Like I did what we call the first attack. I controlled his elbow and I put my palm on his face. But I didn't want to hit him. Right. So I put my palm on his face and I just said to him, well, be careful. (laughs) And he like didn't even recognize it. And he and he just kept barging in after I totally like it's like, bro, I I could have hit you, but I didn't. Right. Right. He barges in and pushes me on the wall. Right. And I grabbed his head and pulled him in and did the the elbow from Buji. Right. Like I just grabbed his hand like this and put my elbow this far from his face. And just stopped it right there. And I said the second time, be careful, right? <laughs> and then he just goes, oh, oh, very good, Sivo Alex. Very good skill. And then walked away, right? And then he never wanted to touch hands with me again, right? Right, sure. And then I heard from my students who spoke Chinese, he was telling everybody in Chinese how disrespectful I was because I used the Buji technique against the senior. And I'm like, pardon my French, but like, this this son of a bitch came at me with old man strength with zero respect and zero oh, respect sure. for the fact that I controlled my force and didn't want to hit him. And then he just keeps pushing through me. So it's like, all right, bro, well, if if you want to fight, just let me know. Just tell me that's what we're doing before right, we right, get right. started. Right. I don't, I'm from New York. I don't have any problem with that. Just don't disguise it as something called cheese out. Just say what it is. You know right, what I mean? Right, so, um, so anyway, uh, so that was kind of a funny thing. So I know about these like weird, you don't use and see, but actually it was only in that situation in, in the learning school. We never had anything like that. You could use whatever you learned. And if right. you beat, if you hit your senior with it, well, that's not your problem. Right? right. So, um, but yeah, but that was very strange, like kind of weird face saving maneuver he tried to, to do there. And I always, I always think when people say that, it's very disingenuous, you know? Yeah, well, I mean, first of all, I hate when people just want to give you a fucking dig on your students. Like, that's just bullshit. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, like there, there's a guy I know that's dying to be on this podcast. Uh-huh. He's dying to be on this podcast. <laughs> and how do I know he's dying to be on this podcast? Because several of his students have reached out to me asking... Can he be on this podcast? Uh-huh, uh-huh. There's no way he's ever going to be on this podcast. <laughs> it's kind right of like now, Wing- he's <laughs> listening, uh-huh. and he knows I'm talking about him. <laughs> and that's right, I am. Fuck you. You will never be on this podcast. <laughs> so keep on having your students and contact me. It's not going to happen. <laughs> and the reason he will never be on this podcast, other than the fact that he's a complete dick, uh-huh. is this is Jay Kitty guy, by the way, not a Wing Chun guy is that one time he had the opportunity to insult me and instead insulted my student. Oh, yeah. (laughs) And I will never forget that. I will never forget that. Feel free to, like Alex said, insult me all day long. Don't fuck with my students. Right, 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 right. right. Do not fuck with my students because my students are my friends. Yeah, yeah. And I'm not just never going to deal with that. Yeah, so, it's it's kind of a strange thing like like you know, you you grow attached to because you create a sense of community and it's like, you know, that like people come to you to learn and 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 they work hard and you recognize that and then there's always somebody that just wants to shit on, oh, but look at this guy's stance or something like that and it's like, oh, get over right. it, man. Like, you know what I mean? You know, like you last week or two weeks ago you hung out with my Student Chris. Yes. I love him like a son. Yeah. Seth, I love Seth like a son. Dave Shostel. 
these guys I love like like my children. Yeah. Like they're family to me. Uh-huh. If you fuck with them, if if I know you made them feel bad about something, uh-huh. Uh-huh. eventually I'm gonna come back at you. <laughs> like you know what I mean? This is stuff that I'm I will not forget. You know, and right. this is you know this is the kind of like this is how you get with with your students. Like now I've been around you and your students, right. and you can tell how much you love your students. You know, I mean, the fact that you hug them a little too much is a little weird, but... Um, <laughs> what? The rumors. No, no, like, the, you can tell the relation, you can tell by the way they, they talk about you and the way they act around you that you're, you're, you're you know, that you, there's, there's a caring going on. That it's, right. it's not a business, I mean, it's a business, but it's a family atmosphere business, you know? Yeah, yeah. And I really think that that's something that's missing in a lot of places. It's missing sure, in a lot sure. of places. Because we've both been around like how many schools? Totally. And, and you yeah. just, you know, there's this weird like, vibe and like everyone's kind of against each other and fighting against each other within the same school. You're like, what right. is this? And, you know, teachers have this weird fucking like competitive, competitive nature. Or, yeah. Like I've been around, I've been, I've been around schools where it's like, oh, you know, where's the, where's the Sifu? And it's like, and like, like one of the students is like, um, in, in air quotes, oh, he's with such and such a female or male student in the back giving a private and they kind of wink and a smile. And like, uh-huh. uh, yeah, come on. Like, this is like, we're all grown people here, you know? It's right, like, right. Let's, let's be real. You know, and I, and I just like family atmosphere, and I, I, I just want things to like your, your place. So you know, Thank you, man. And, and I got I got criticized for that very early on in my teaching career by one of my Chinese instructors, uh, Sifu Carson Lau, who's a, a high-ranking master from the Lung Ting Association in Hong Kong. He, he immigrated to Toronto in the early 2000s, and he also was one of my instructors in my time when I was in the Lung Ting organization and I did a lot of training with him and but he when he first came to the States he was still very uh, kind of traditional Chinese mindset um, he's since changed a lot he actually runs one of the most successful schools in North America um, and he has his own association now he also left Lung Ting's organization and he teaches in Toronto's the Carson Wing Chun Academies and he's got a few branches and and uh, but when he first came to my uh, uh, to my school to teach a seminar, he saw me hug one of my students. But it said kind it said and it's the bro hug, you know, the yeah, yeah, you give absolutely. the handshake and you do this thing, and that's what we do in America. And then he, and then he had not seen a sifu or an instructor do that with their students before because you didn't do that in Hong Kong, you know. Uh, in Hong Kong, I guess sifus and students they kind of act like my German family. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> you see each other, we have a handshake and a salute, and that's about it, you know. So. Um, after that, he took me to the site and he, he's, I remember, which is very funny because Sifu Carson Lau now is very different. He hugs his students. Right, he, he's right, become right. very westernized. I mean, he's been living in Canada for, for you know, almost 15 years now. So he's sure, changed. Sure. But back then, he took me to the site and scolded me like a child right. for like, you know, uh, you should you shouldn't do that because you shouldn't be too close to the students. They need to respect you, and and you know you don't want to like do these kind of things. And and then, but he didn't understand. Actually, it had nothing to do with my kung fu school. That's like a Western thing, right? right? right and, right. and and so it wouldn't matter if I was teaching uh, sports or dance or anything. Like I do the same thing. You know what I mean? So. Um, he scolded me and then he told me like, oh, you know, don't you worry. Like, what if the student like tries to trick you and grab you and pull you or do something oh, like God. to make you look bad? And I'm like, and the funny thing is like, look, first of all, that would never happen. That's just not something. But it's again, a slightly mindset of this. Um, the Chinese have, it's a little bit of an us versus them mindset mm-hmm. between Sifu's and students right. until that Sifu's been around or that, sorry, that student's been around long enough that they come into the inner circle. Even if you call somebody Sifu, there's still like a us versus them with the Sifu and the Todai for a certain time period where I just go like, you know what, if, if I don't accept you, I'm not going to bother teaching you. So there's right. no like, like barrier to that. You know You're either in or you're not. Right. So, um, I, I kind of took my lumps and I was like, Oh, sorry, Sifu Lao. I apologize. I, I won't yeah. do it again. And then of course, you know, my, 
my natural reflex, I probably hugged a student five minutes after that, just not thinking, <laughs> right? But of course, he's changed a lot since then. But yeah, I mean, it's uh, it's not really part of the culture of real traditionally uh, uh, kind of acclimated schools. This is definitely something a little bit more in the modern Western world, although obviously there are examples where it's not always that way either with us. You know, while you were telling that story, uh, something popped into my head. And actually, yeah, I saw you laughing, and I didn't know if I had some like something in my teeth or something like that. <laughs> no, no, no I, 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 you know, just I laughed because I'm an idiot. But I just, you said something, and I said, "Holy shit!" If we like did some sort of data dive uh -huh. on this podcast, and yeah. they took every episode and fucking just searched it for phrases and that get used a lot. You know, uh -huh. you'd probably me say the F word way too much. <laughs> and I cannot imagine the amount of times I've heard you say, oh, and he, he has now since left the wing, the Hmong Ting organization. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. Well, <laughs> you have probably said that same fucking expression right, 30 right, right. times on this podcast. Yeah, well, that's me trying to be as kind of PC and political as possible because, uh, well, <laughs> Leung Ting, like, I mean, Leung Ting had the biggest Wing Chun organization of all of them. So sure. it's natural that a lot of people leave just because the sheer numbers of it, right? right but right, right, of course. Yeah, right. uh, unfortunately, a lot of the high-level guys, uh, people that have been very close to, they're also not around anymore. The, And we've discussed this before, the, the culture of the Leung Ting organization, the Kung Fu notwithstanding, but they have a very strange company culture. They have a very strange... The way the association is set up and everything like that, it, 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 it's not compatible with 2017. Right. And and so, yeah, I, I can imagine I have said that quite a bit. Somebody needs to, like, clip all those together and clip all the, your F words and everything. And, like, like you just said, he's since left the one lung thing organization. I'm like, holy <laughs> shit. How many times yes. has he said that? Yes, 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 yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, it definitely says something that, you know, for the longest time, you couldn't go to a learning seminar unless you were part of his association. Basically, his associate, his oh, seminars really? were only inter-association, right? They didn't really, he didn't do open seminars. But his association in the U.S. has, has, has essentially been more or less obliterated. And now when he teaches seminars in other countries, he actually has to teach open seminars for the first time because he doesn't have enough local people to support it anymore. So it definitely shows kind of the... Un you know, the un unfortunate state of what's what's gone on with with the politics and his association. I wish it was right. different for him. I wish he didn't I wish he didn't have to teach seminars anymore for money. I wish he could just retire and enjoy his life. But he unfortunately made some really terrible choices, putting some some people in charge. But speaking of uh, speaking of uh, Hong Kong Wing Chun, slightly different setup. I got this awesome book for those people who are seeing it here. Uh, Wing Chun Kicking Techniques. Uh, written by my friend Osman Lamb. By the way, that's not Osman Lamb on the cover. That's Stephen Chan, and that's a super old photo. Uh, I, you might remember the old books that had these photos on yeah, there, right? Yeah, I was going to say, that looked familiar, actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So this is a very, very old photo, but it's pretty cool. It's like Stephen Chan using a Wing Chun kicking technique versus, a you know, like a muscly Thai boxer, guys. They're actually pretty cool. Um, the book is quite different than I thought it was going to be. So this is, my friend Osman Lamb is a lawyer in Hong Kong, and he... Um, uh, is a follower of the Chao Tsi Chun lineage. Chao Tsi Chun was one of Yip Man's students who actually just passed away last year. Mm -hmm. Also the Sifu of Donald Mack, who's, who's very famous as well. Um, and Stephen Chan is also a student of Chao Tsi Chun. Um, you look at the book and it looks like it's purely going to be about kicking techniques because the title says the evolution <laughs> of Wing Chun kicking techniques, right? Um, but most of it is a really deep dive in the history of Yip Man and the development of uh, uh, Wing Chun Kung Fu in Hong Kong. Oh, nice. And as a kind of Wing Chun Kung Fu geek, um, there were a lot of things in here that I had not heard before. And he talks about my man Tang Sang quite a bit, um, because as I mentioned before, Tang Sang's uh, um, influence in, in Yip Man's Wing Chun is undeniable, but a lot of people are trying to kind of downplay it. Osman talks about how uh, Tang Sang was integral in, in training up full contact fighters or uh, picking con uh, full contact fighters to fight in Hong Kong in those days. And, and he, he talks about it in there. So I don't know. Osman sent me the book because he's my buddy. <laughs> and right. it's the it's the English version of a, of a book that came out in Chinese a while ago. Um, I don't know where it's available, right. but if you guys can get your hand on, on it. So uh, the evolution of Wing Chun Kung Fu kicking techniques. I also think I talked to Eric from Wing Chun Illustrated. They're, they're going to um, review the book, I think, in an upcoming issue. So um, I highly recommend it. It's, you know, I've, I read most every Wing Chun book that comes out. 
90% of it is not very interesting. I think before the this Wing Chun book, the last interesting book I read was David Peterson's book. And then it was years before that since I had read something even remotely interesting. So um, it's nice when these things come out. And, and uh, if you guys can support um, Osmond and uh, get his book, that'd be great. Very interesting book. Um, and the kicking techniques and the, the, the explanation of Wing Chun is also um, quite good. And I uh, was very, very impressed. So... Um, so anyway, yeah. So you uh, gotta ask your friend where can people order it. That's yeah. Actually, Osman would be a great guest to have on the podcast because his English is perfect. Because uh, um, lawyers in Hong Kong actually have to speak English because law is conducted in English in Hong Kong because it was a British colony for so long. Oh, so right, all, that's okay. like why my wife, who was a lawyer in Hong Kong, that's why she spoke perfect English um, because that's just a prerequisite of of being a lawyer over there, which is kind of interesting. So uh, yeah, yeah. So he's in Hong Kong. He's in Hong Kong, yeah, yeah. So, um, also, I wanted to discuss something. This is a deep topic for many people. It's not really a deep topic for me, um, and I think that that annoys some people because, um, you know, th there's this thing about labels in martial arts. You know what I mean? It's like uh, it's not good enough for people to just do Wing Chun. Like this guy has got to do Long Teng Wing Chun, and the other guy does Moyat Wing Chun, and the other guy does Wong Sun Long Wing Chun. Well. Beyond that, now there are even more and more labels that people are uh, using. And obviously it has something to do with marketing. People want a name of what they do to kind of set themselves apart from everybody else. But the problem is when people come up with a new label or a new subset of Wing Chun, right? Mm -hmm. uh, Yip Man Wing Chun now. Like we have people who claim to be teaching Yip Man Wing Chun who never learned from Yip Man. But we have to right. take it on their word that it's Ip Man Wing Chun or whatever, right? Um, and again, that's another label. And then they have to just, it's like they create a label, which is like they create their own box and then they're stuck in that box and they have to defend it, right? And one of these boxes that's being created nowadays is internal Wing Chun. And internal Wing Chun is on the surface an interesting topic. It's something interesting to look at and to, to ponder. And there's a couple players in the Wing Chun world to focus on this. Um, in my opinion, for the most part, um, it's kind of another label. It's it's another Ip Man Wing Chun, Red Boat Wing Chun, this Wing Chun, that Wing Chun. It's just another, uh, you know, like uh, like Bruce Lee would say, you know, these labels, they tend to, you know, separate man, right? So it's like, that's just kind of another chance, of, another way of doing that. And the problem with it is, it's fine if you want to say your Wing Chun is this or your, your Wing Chun is classical, yours is traditional, yours is modified, whatever you want to call it. If you want to give it a name, it's up to you. Um, I'm of the opinion it's just Wing Chun, you know, um, and I mentioned this on the podcast before. Um, did Grandmaster Yip Man tell people that he taught Chan Wa Shun Wing Chun? <laughs> That's right. always like my big thing when everyone has to say, I teach Yip Man Wing Chun. I go, oh, wow. So you learn from Yip Man and you teach it exactly the same way he did it? Well, no, I learned from a guy who learned from a guy who learned from Yip Man, but they say it's the same. Right. And I go, well, that's a, you know, using the scientific method, that's kind of a pretty bold claim. You know what I mean? Like I, I to, to claim that you teach the Wing Chun of somebody you had never met and somehow it's the same as what they do. And you know this for a fact enough to use that name. I mean, I think most people who use the, 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 the label Yip Man Wing Chun are pretty ballsy or they just are they're just using it for marketing purposes and they know that, that they're not totally teaching what the old man taught because no one can claim that, right? And even Yip Man Wing Chun wasn't the same from the early 50s to the early 70s. I mean, he, he changed the style more than anybody else. But here's the thing. When you look at the interviews of Yip Man, of which the two main ones in New Martial Hero, when you look at some of the uh, newspaper interviews with Grandmaster Yip Man, you know what he said he taught? <laughs> Wing Chun. All Wing right. Chun. He didn't say Chun Wa Sun Wing Chun. Right. He didn't say Leung Big Wing Chun or whatever the hell Wing Chun. You know why? Because it's the style. Right. <laughs> he teaches Wing Chun. These other labels, in my opinion, are for people who seem somewhat insecure. You know what I mean? Like when people say, but I teach Wing Chun. Oh, where's your Wing Chun from? Okay. And then I can tell them. But I don't need to qualify that I was a Ting student to make 
me feel like I'm legit sure. as a Wing Chun instructor. It's like, no, no, I teach Wing Chun. I don't even say I teach Leung Ting's Wing Chun because I'm not Leung Ting. Right. All right. So, uh, and most of his students who are in his association cannot really claim to teach Leung Ting Wing Chun because they're, they're, for the most part, most of them are not. They're teaching something like it, but not the actual thing. So, um, I always find it a bit disingenuous when people have to do it. And for me, internal Wing Chun is the same thing. Now, I'm going to say that my Sifu, Sifu Kanspecht, nowadays, he, he's, he's moved away from teaching Leung Ting's Wing Chun, and he is actually developing a more internal-based Wing Chun. But he actually calls it inner Wing Chun. It's not internal Wing Chun. And there is a distinction there. And so when you see videos of Sifu Kanspecht nowadays, what, what he does is not really the same as the Leung Ting Wing Chun, but he has a very um, scientific methodology to what he's doing. He's trying to focus on different impulses and cues and different ways of using the body to achieve what Wing Chun is promising, right? And he calls it inner Wing Chun. So he's he's studied a lot of what the internal arts are doing and so on and so forth. So my, uh, I guess if you want to take it as a criticism of internal martial arts, I'm not talking about the inner Wing Chun that my Sifu is doing or what the EWTO is doing now, because in my opinion, that's uh, uh, more scientific and it's, it's a, it, it, they're going in a different direction. What I'm talking about, the people are like, they talk about chi and they talk about, you know, all, all these kind of like uh, alignment and rooting and all these kind of things that, in, in my opinion, are just concepts borrowed from Tai Chi. And Wing Chun is not Tai Chi, people. I'm sorry. You can mix all the Tai Chi you want. It's not it. And there's some people out there who are claiming to teach internal Wing Chun that have done nothing more then integrate Tai Chi stuff. And there's a there's a guy on YouTube named Hendrik Santo um, who always has these funny videos where he's kind of talking about this stuff. I am, for full disclosure, um, I'm not friends with Hendrik Santo and I've had a couple interactions with him and I think he's a little uh, different, okay? I'm just going to say it like that, right? So I'm not friends with him, I'm not, but he, he'll put these videos out, which have, a lot of them are kind of comical. He's kind of ranting most of the time. But he does have a lot of legit um, points and he complains about these people who are teaching internal Wing Chun and all they're doing is mixing Tai Chi. And he also says, hey, how come we don't see this stuff in MMA and how come how come you're not talking about things like leverage and momentum and things that we can act like what jujitsu people talk about. Right? right. People are talking about these untestable chi forces. Right. And, and so. In that, in that sense, I totally agree with Hendrik on that, that it's, it's a lot of that stuff is they're just borrowing things from Tai Chi, putting it into Wing Chun. Now, that doesn't make it bad. If you want to mix Tai Chi with your Wing Chun, I don't care. But the thing that bothers me is when somebody mixes something in their Wing Chun, give it a new title, and then somebody asks me what my opinion of it is because I don't, I don't have an opinion on everything. So there's some things I don't care about, and it's not because I'm ignorant on it. I know about it. I in fact, I know about it, and I just don't care. So it's like I've I've read all the internal stuff. I have all the internal Wing Chun guys' books. I've read Choi Sung Teen's books. I've I've met Choi Sung Teen's students who do the internal Wing Chun stuff, and some of the stuff they do is interesting from a movement perspective. Doesn't really sway the needle for me in terms of efficacy in fighting. All right, because there are all sorts of things you can do to optimize how you stand and how you hold off power and stuff like this. And and maybe they find some fault in the traditional way, like, oh, you can't stand this way. You have to stand this way. And then the guy can push you and then they can't knock you over. Those are all interesting movement experiments. But for me, OK, but the guy in the street is just going to try to punch you right in your effing face. Right. And he's not going to hold your bong cell and push you and then get discouraged that he cannot knock you over. All right. He's going to be moving around. He's going to fire a punch at you. And when it misses, he fires a second punch and he's going to grab your head, put you in a headlock and throw you on the ground. So that's what I concern myself with and what I want my Wing Chun and what I want my students Wing Chun to be able to handle. Um, there's a, and this is not to um, call out Choi Sung Teen. Well, Choi Sung Teen passed away. Uh, and this is certainly not to say anything about him because he's got a lot of followers or whatever. But um, a lot of his followers are the proponents of the internal Wing Chun. So we get a lot of inquiries from those guys. And um, I've talked to a lot of uh, um, Grandmaster, a few of Grandmaster Yip Man's early period students who also learned with Choi Sung Teen. 
And, you know, their consensus is that these are things that Choi Sung-Tin developed on his own. Because people always want to know, well, oh, did he get this from, from Grandmaster Yip Man, right? And it seems from the people who learned at that time that that wasn't the case. This is something that he seemingly developed on his own. Now, that doesn't make it bad. So when right. I say that, it's not a value judgment like, oh, he made it up. All right? every, every martial art is made up by somebody at some point, right? And every martial art is refined by every teacher who teaches it or they're not doing their job, right? right. So it's, it's actually a great credit to Choi Chung Tin that he developed it in his own direction, all right? And didn't just do what his Sifu taught him. But it's pretty clear that the internal direction Choi Chung Tin went to was his own devising. And so that's great for people who want to practice that. But when people ask me if I do it or why don't I do it, it well, it, I've seen it, I've read it, I've experienced it. It just it doesn't interest me. So I don't really have an opinion on it. But my opinion is not on ignorance. My opinion is just based on I'm also not super interested in Aikido, for example. You know what I mean? Like right. I've seen demonstrations of great Aikido guys. I've watched all the Seagal movies. I, I, have a re I, I can't even read a book about Aikido. And maybe people who like Aikido think I'm ignorant on that. But I could, I could read about Judo all day. I can read about Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. I can read about Savat. But Aikido doesn't move the needle for me no matter who I read, right? Right. And internal Wing Chun is kind of the same thing for me. And that doesn't make it bad. That doesn't make it useless or ineffective. It's, it's, just, it's just something I'm not interested in. And the same way in the 80s we had to defend, do you do traditional Wing Chun or modified Wing Chun? Right. And, and these were two terms that were created by William Chang. And, and I'm not going to get into the historicity of William Chang's claims, but William Chang is the guy who created the dichotomy of traditional and modified before the, such a thing never existed. And then people say, do you do traditional or modified Wing Chun? I go, well, neither one of those terms are relevant for me because I do not practice William Chang's Wing Chun. And I do not believe that anything outside of William Chang's Wing Chun deserves the term modified. Right, exactly. So, so, so when people ask you that, yeah. So when people ask me that question, well, they usually are people who are not very in the know. I just go, well, actually those, those terms don't really exist. So um, the same thing with internal Wing Chun, this is one particular, version of it that was created by Choi Shang Tin, the other people out there who do it. I mean, people get very impressed with those demonstrations where you can't knock the guy over. Like they put the bong cell up and then you have pushed the bong cell and then they can stand. But, um, and the thing is, I actually learned that trick many years ago uh, from, from Sifu Lang Teng. He showed it to me. And, and uh, there's, there's, a, there's a, a demonstration where you stand on a scale, right? So you, you stand on the scale and then you show your weight, okay? And then you put your bong out or tan or whatever position you want to use. And then you have somebody put their hand on it, right? And then they lean into you. Like they really try to push you, right? And then if you understand the trick, you can, you can divert that force into the floor. And you can actually see the scale go up in weight as that power goes down. Right. And there's some sifus that have, have show that demonstration all the time as some kind of proof of internal alchemy or magic or use or whatever. And the thing is, it's actually just physics, all right? It, it just has to do with aligning a couple joints in your body and pressing in a certain direction. And I can teach anybody how to do that in five minutes. And you could stand Harry, there. Harry Potter did that in the third Harry Potter. <laughs> but the thing is, I can do it. And I can even do other stuff. You know, the, where you put the spear on the throat, that Shaolin trick, and then they bend the spear. Okay, I can do that. Right? I can take a chopstick, put it on my spear, and uh, put it on my throat and break it. All right, and I could tell you that has something to do with qigong, but I'd be lying because it's a parlor trick. All right, and a lot of stance tricks, like when you can't knock me over, or you can't push me, or hold my arm here, or push my shoulder here, and you can't move. These are all things that can be explained in physics. You can go to any university, and a physics student can tell you why it works. It has nothing to do with how you breathe, your dantian, your chakras, how you do the sunum tau form. So um, I, can, I can have a very strong guy, like somebody 220 pounds, push my bong sao, try to push it into my face, and they can't knock me over. And I can even stand on one leg and do it, all right? It is a parlor trick, okay? And even doing that, that has nothing to do with someone trying to punch you in your effing face, right. put you in a headlock, throw you on the ground, and stomp on your head with their foot, 
okay? You can have all the cool, oh, I can put, oh, you can't push me. Look how strong my chi sao is. And though that's all great. You're, you're engineering an exercise to a certain degree, but you're losing the points. This is to deal with people trying to hurt us, not push our arms or grab us or hold us a certain way. And, you know, it's always that put your hand right here and push me. It's what I call the, it's what I call the Wing Chun version of an Aikido demonstration. All right, I want you to grab my lapel right here. Why? And I always say, why would I grab your lapel? Right. You know what's going to happen. You grab their lapel and they put you in a wrist lock. And whose fault is it? Yours, because you did what he told you to do. It's kind of like, hey, put your hand over there. They put the hand on the side. You smack them in the face, right? That's for me. A lot of these demonstrations are essentially uh, some variation of pissing on someone's leg and telling them it's raining. <laughs> it's not raining. You're pissing on my leg, and I see what you're doing, right? So it's not to denounce. There, there are legit guys there with internal skill, but people are easily swayed by demonstrations that make people think they're doing something that the other person doesn't know, like why people like conspiracy theories or whatever. So anyway. Right, That's well, my rant on that. Are there labels in Jeet Kune Do, like sub, like like the way we have internal and Yip Man and modified and red? Well, there is. And there's there's a million different labels in Wing Chun. I mean, you know, what I like, what drives me nuts in Jeet Kune Do is a lot of people throw the label Bruce Lee on everything. Mm -hmm. So they don't just teach Jeet Kune Do or JKD. They teach Bruce Lee's Jeet Kune Do. Obviously. Well, who else is what they teach, right? Right. Exactly right. You know. Um, no one teaches their seafoods you can know anymore. Oh, no. Their seafoods usually not that good anyway. Well, it's like, so it's like, <laughs> I look at it like, if I said I taught Bruce Lee's Jeet Kune Do, Right. It's not only an insult to Bruce Lee. Right. I never even met the man. Right. It would be a greater insult to my teacher. Sure. You know what I mean? And in JKD, I, I kind of feel like at one point, a few, many years ago, I was using many years ago. I was I was teaching what I said with John Fan Kung Fu, and right. then I had this realization, like I'm teaching John Fan Kung Fu. I, you know, that's not cool. I don't right. want. I don't want to be saying that anymore. But I'm guilty of it. I did it, you know. And um, when the whole nucleus thing was out, everybody was using John Fan Ji Kundo, and I was guilty of that for a little while. And I'm like, sure. and then at one point I said, I got to stop this. So. In talking to my teacher, we came up with the term Big JKD. Right. And Which J I love, by the way. Right. So Big JKD actually was a term coined by Steve Goldman's wife. Yeah. And I loved it because one day when I said I was doing my own thing, I wanted to I wanted to take credit for myself and have all blame go to myself. I'm a <laughs> fucking grown man. So if I do something good, I did good because I did it. And if right. I did something bad... It's, I did bad because I fucking did it. It's my, it's all, it's all on me. Sure. So I'm, I want to say that, you know, I identify with Jeet Kune Do because that's what I was teaching. So I look at it like this. When people were going into more labels of Jun Fan Gung Fu slash Jeet Kune Do slash Jun Fan Jeet, they, they, you know, Bruce Lee's Jun Fan Jeet Kune Do, which is like ridiculous, right? Pretty redundant, actually. Right. I mean, literally, I know a guy had that on a t-shirt. Bruce Lee's Jun Fan Jeet Kune Do. Right. Instead of someone else's John Funch. Right. Exactly right. You know. Jim Smith's John right. Funch Kundo. I said I'm gonna just take I'm gonna be teaching Jeet Kune Do. That's it. I teach Jeet Kune Do. And um, the name of my Kung Fu family, the name of my I never really had an organization. My name of my group was gonna just be Big JKD. Right. And I remember when trying to come up with that name, I, I didn't know what it was gonna be. I was talking to Steve Golden on the phone. And uh, he was bouncing ideas off his wife, Nancy, who's the most amazing woman in the world. Yeah, she's great. And um, we were saying that because of my weight, that was the one thing people are going to, like, shit on me about. Oh, your weight, your weight, your weight, right? So Nancy says, I would put it in their face. If people uh -huh. say to you, Sean, you're too fat, you got to say, fat? I'm fucking obese. Like, if they say like, you know, Sean, you're obese. You're, are you kidding me? I'm one of those guys you're gonna move out on a trailer in a house. Like, you know, like, <laughs> you have to be in their face. And and she said I would call it Big JK Day because you do everything in a big way. Right. And I fell in love with it. Yeah. And to me, it was exactly exactly what I want. Now, now did I kind of create a little? 
subset. I hope I didn't. Like you were talking about a subset in Wing Chun. Right. There are subsets in Jeet Kune Do. The, you know, sure. the most famous. Bruce Lee taught Jeet Kune Do. Um, you learned Jeet Kune Do at the John Fon Gong Fu School. So like that, that's that's a, a big argument in the JKB community where the students like in the LA Chinatown School learning John Fon Gong Fu or they're learning Jeet Kune Do. I am of mm. the opinion that they were learning Jeet Kune Do at the John Fon Gong Fu Academy. At Bruce right. Lee's Kung Fu Academy. That's, right. that, that's you know, John Fon Kung Fu Academy was, translates to me, Bruce Lee's Kung Fu Academy. Bruce yeah. Lee's school of hard work, right? Right, right. But they were learning Jeet Kune Do. And, and uh, you know, then labels got, so then when... Uh, when because he, I, I don't mean to interrupt, but weren't all the certificates all Jeet Kune Do, did Jeet Kune Do certificates or did he issue they, certificates? The, so the, the, the certificates that the students at the... At, at the schools received, they just received like you received a level three in the John Fong Kung Fu Academy. You know, it doesn't say. I think in it, what? <laughs> you, know, I, you know, I have to double check. I, I'm, I'm not sure what. I, I actually have a copy. Of people. That's kind of would be interesting to take a look at that. It'd be funny if it said what rank they had, but it didn't actually say in what. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm going to look at. It. I actually have a copy of Steve Goldman's uh -huh. certificate. Oh, interesting. But um, I, I know the. Some people, like I know, Guru, uh, what's it called um, Ted Wong received this specifically received a certificate that says Jeet Kune Do on it, which was a okay. big deal. But anyway, the you know eventually you had the um, original JKD concept. Uh, you have con Jeet Kune Do concepts. You have original JKD. There's there's all these different variations and, and big and JKD. What? Big JKD. Well, see, no, but I, I don't see it that way. <laughs> uh -huh, uh -huh. Because I look at it like original JKD and, and Jeet Kune Do concepts speak to the style of the martial art. As mm -hmm. opposed to me looking at, quote, Big JKD as just the name of a family. I teach Jeet Kune Do. If you look at my website, SeanMadigan.com, at no point do I say Bruce Lee's Jeet Kune Do, John Fon Jeet Kune Do. I teach Jeet Kune Do. Mm -hmm. The name of my family, what do we call ourselves is Big JKD. Mm -hmm. It's kind of like, oh, listen, Big JKD's getting together. You know, a couple of times a year, my guys come in. It's like we call it a little Big JKD convention, family, a family party. Right. But at no point, like, it's not the name. It's, it's not a subset of teaching. It's not a, um, when you say you do original JKD, you're saying that you have, you're only doing Bruce Lee's original curriculum. It's, right. it, it kind of locks you into that. Um, mm -hmm. If you say you're doing Jeet Kune Do concepts, although many Jeet Kune Do concept people may not be comfortable with what I'm going to say, and I'm probably, I shouldn't speak for them, but just to say my perception of what they do. Oh, fuck, he got kicked off again. My, my perception of what he, they do is they are doing what Guru Dan teaches, which is an incredible system of martial arts. Um, what, what Guru Dan is doing is, is phenomenal. But when you do Jeet Kune Do concepts, you're kind of running and, and only doing what Guru Dan does. Um, you know, some guys take it further than that, and I, and I applaud them. But their home base is what Guru Dan teaches. So you have this whole idea of, of um, Jeet Kune Do concepts being what Guru Dan does. Original JKD being what Bruce Lee only did. I kind of look at, I want to be with what I do. I do Jeet Kune Do. And I'm never going to say I do anything else other than Jeet Kune Do. I may say Sean Madigan's Jeet Kune Do, but it's just big JKD. I don't say I do Steve Golden's Jeet Kune Do, but if I was going to claim anything, it would be that. But I don't feel like that's fair to Steve because I make my share of mistakes. You know, I'm a fuck up. I, I screw up every once in a while. So um, I want it to be what I do is big is just big JKD. Same thing with my Wing Chun. I'm of the Moyat lineage. I you know um, my teacher Tom Kagan is a disciple of Moyat. I never say I teach Moyat Wing Chun, and I do that out of respect for Moyat Wing Chun. Cause I don't do everything perfectly. I don't do everything exactly as I learned. I I kind of have my own taste on things. So I, I don't say I teach Tom Kagan Wing Chun. Out of respect for my teacher, Tom Kagan. I do Wing Chun. And that, that's what I teach.
you know, um, and, and, I, and I think that's important for us to, at some point, be your own person. Be your own teacher. You know, be, take responsibility for who you are and, and, and continuously learn, continuously grow, and, and to continuously examine. And, and the more you do that, the more you're going to want to take responsibility for your own system, for your own art. You know, you know have a set of balls. That's what you have to do. You have to say, you know what, I'm going to be my own man. So this was like another lesson that I kind of learned from Matt Thornton. You know, like Matt Thornton teaches Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. But when you train with Matt Thornton, all of his guys, everything's SPGI. He literally just took responsibility for his own system. You go there and you learn, you'll learn some boxing, you'll learn some kickboxing, you'll learn wrestling, you learn Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. But he named it himself. So... If I'm going to say, if I'm going to teach somebody Jeet Kune Do, you're going to learn Jeet Kune Do. You're not going to learn Bruce Lee's Jeet Kune Do. You're not going to learn Steve Golden's Jeet Kune Do. When I, when, you're not going to learn Sean Madigan's Jeet Kune Do. You're going to learn what I do, and, well, you know, and that's it. Like I, and, you know, like, and like I said a couple of seconds ago, if, like, with my Wing Chun, I don't teach Moyat Wing Chun. I never met Moyat. I don't teach Tom Kagan Wing Chun. He's my Sifu. I don't teach his Wing Chun. I teach Wing Chun. Right. Not even that good, but I teach Wing Chun. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, like, you have to take responsibility for what you do. Like, you, sure. you, like, you know, people say, what do you teach? I mean, you teach Wing Chun, but I love the whole city Wing Chun thing you got going on. Right. You know, it's right. just that, that it's yours. But yeah. when you teach Wing Chun, I have Big JKD. I teach Chikun Do, you know? People have yeah. to just, if you're going to change things, and I think you should, Take responsibility for it. Don't come... What drives me fucking nuts is when you see people teaching some combination of Taekwondo, this art, you know, taking three different arts, combining it together, and then re referring to it as Bruce Lee's Jeet Kune Do because right. it's based on Bruce Lee's concepts. Fuck you. Right. Right, You're just right, right. using his name. You're jocking on his name. Well, everyone knows that Bruce Lee's Jeet Kune Do is really just Chinese karate. Right. <laughs> <laughs> really, that was funny before people knew what Kung Fu was in the 60s and 70s. It was often referred to as Chinese karate. If you Chinese remember the karate. old magazines. Sure, <laughs> very funny. Well, hey, man, that was a lot of fun tonight. We talked about a lot of different things. I hope the audience uh, enjoyed that. And I'm um, looking forward to uh, next week's uh, podcast. We, we talked a little bit uh, before the show today about discussing maybe some of the differences between white various lineages have uh, market differences in the way they shift or kick or whatever. And, and maybe that that'll be a good topic for the next, uh, for the next podcast for sure. Sure. That sounds like a lot of fun. Awesome, man. Well, we'll see you guys next week. Take care. Be good guys.